Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm excited to be with you today. What a privilege to be uh, to be able to come. I, I I look forward to this every week. I God always keeps me up late on Saturday nights praying for you guys, but I always look forward to being with you. This is my favorite church in the whole world. I've been able to preach at some of the great churches on the earth, but I'll be honest with you, there is no place like Ocean's Church. I'm not kidding. I'm not just, well, you're the pastor. Of course you. It's like loving your own kids. No one's ever said, my kids aren't cute. No, I really do believe. I'm a proud dad, but I also believe people like John Bevere, Lisa Bevere, people like Benny Perez, people like Mike Maiden. I mean, everyone we brought through here goes, Mark, this is special. This is a move of God. And so to hear them say that, it makes me go, my kids are unusually cute. <laughs> so I'm excited to be with you today, honored to be here, and to have the honor to, to teach God's Word to you. Uh, if you have your Bible this morning, you're brand new to Ocean's Church, we're in a series called Turn the World. And uh, the idea for this, 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 these few weeks together was to talk about how early believers of Jesus Christ were not just these passive, lethargic, annoying, judgmental, hypocritical, uh, uh, just luke, lukewarm, half-hearted believers. The early followers of Jesus were so on fire that the enemies of the church described them as men and women that turned the world upside down. Our belief is, is that God hasn't changed. I don't know if you've read Hebrews 13, but it says Jesus Christ is the same. It's like 14 people that read their Bibles. Come on. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. And now that everybody knows that he's the same what? Yesterday, today. I knew that verse. I just needed everybody to tell me. I'm excited you're here. If you're brand new to church, maybe you don't believe in God. We know every week people come that don't believe what we believe. You are completely welcome here. I would say that the majority of those watching online are in the tents at one point of their life. Everything polytheistic, atheist, agnostic, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim. I believe that Jesus attracts people from all walks of life. But he's the only one that has an empty tomb. So he has a way of kind of getting his point across. If you're new today, we're glad you're here. My hope would be is don't leave until the, the full meal is served. You know, just like you don't usually get up at a movie until it's finished and you don't leave a restaurant until you collect the bill, uh, I want to ask you to stay until the, the, the meal is served. Is that all right? Um, if I offend you, I'll try my best not to, but I'll try to only offend you with the good stuff that's major and not the minor stuff. Is that all right? If you're offended by the virgin birth and the resurrection uh, on the third day, that's all right. I can live with that. But uh, I don't want to offend you with some goofy stuff. Is that all right? All right. Praise God. He wants to offend. I'm not trying to offend people. It just happens sometimes. I want you to know that there's not one church in the world that everybody all the time walks into and goes, this is my church. Some of you are like, this church is, this guy's wearing his wife's jeans. I can't get behind that. Um, these aren't my wife's jeans. Um, this guy doesn't wear socks, whatever. I can't, you know. I understand this church isn't for maybe everybody, but I do believe there's a lot of people in Orange County that you're going to feel at home here. And we're a friendly church. We are full of faith. And we believe that God can still do the impossible. Do you believe it? That's why we're setting up more chairs right now. Because there's a lot of people in Orange County that need to know that God isn't done. So I'm excited for today. It's going to be a special day in the house. And so if you have your Bible uh, brand new to our church, open up to Acts chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, you can download it for free. It's an app on the App Store. It's the most downloaded app on every single phone in the world. It's YouVersion's uh, Bible app. And uh, turn to Acts chapter 14. I'm going to read a, uh, 12 verses today. We're in a series called Turn the World. And uh, God gave me kind of this goofy title that I was like wrestling with all last night. I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. He's like, yes, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, yes, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. And then, so I'm going to talk about what he wanted to say. Um, he told me to call this message Leap Year. Leap Year. I had actually no idea. You know, Leap Year occurs every four years in our, our calendar. And uh, it, it's interesting. This is kind of a fun fact. I knew it was God because I'm like, whoa, if it was a Leap Year, it would be next week. 
It always happens the last week of February. It, it adds a day to our shortest month, which is February. But in the Jewish calendar, it's a little bit different. In the Jewish calendar, leap year actually adds an entire month. And someone actually told me between services that we are actually currently in a Jewish leap year. It occurs uh, seven times in a 19-year cycle, and it adds an additional month to a 12-month year. Does that make sense? And so I'll explain a little bit here about this unusual title. But here's my premise. I do believe there are some things that we're sitting in that God wants us to leap out of. It's my thesis. Uh, whether it's addictions, whether it's godlessness, whether you're living in moral decline, maybe today you are spiritually bankrupt, maybe you have everything monetarily, but somehow in your soul you're living in the shadows. I believe some of you today, you've married models, you live in mansions, you have millions, but you're still suicidal. There is some stuff that success and money and girls and glamour cannot fulfill. And today, I just felt like God wanted to be very clear that we are going to be a church that helps people leap out. Leap out. And so uh, I'm going to get into this in just a second. I'm going to do my best to, uh, to keep your attention and try not to bore you today. Nothing worse than a boring preacher. Maybe there is. I'm going to try my best to keep your attention. So if you get bored today, you're boring. Uh, amen. All right, Luke chapter, uh, Luke, no, Luke wrote this book, uh, Acts chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 7. This is uh, a re reading about Paul, which if you don't believe in Jesus, you think he's annoying, you think the church is obnoxious, if you, if you would love to see Christianity dismantle, you would have probably been great friends with the guy I'm going to preach about today. Saul was a Christian killer. He was a anti-church builder. He was a uh, Pharisee, which means he was extremely passionate about the Torah. Probably had the first five books of the Bible memorized. That's wild. He was so passionate. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, so he was a part of the royal lineage. He was actually not only that, but he was a part of the Sanhedrin, which means he was unusually educated and wealthy. The Sanhedrin was the supreme court of their day. He was highly educated. He was multilingual. He was raised uh, and mentored by Gamaliel, who was the, which means that he was articulate and probably one of the greatest debaters on the earth. He was physically not very impressive. Most historians say he was hunched over. Most say he, he had a little bit of a limp in his walk, and he had a thorn in his flesh. He persecuted, destroyed the church, and approved of the killing of Christians. But in Acts 9, you can read his conversion story. The greatest enemy, public enemy number one of Christianity, becomes public advocate number one. And that's what God can do. I would never believe in Jesus. No, you'd be a really, really good Jesus spokesperson. It's usually the greatest enemies of the cross become the greatest carriers of it. Paul is case in point. We read here in the early church, we read about Peter last week healing the lame. I've been in this vein because I do believe that we are entering into a season where miracles, including the lame walking, is going to break out here on an ongoing basis. Word's going to get out that this is where the lame walk, this is where the blind see, this is where the cancerous go to get healed. And if God can do that to a body, what can he do to a marriage? That's what God's going to do. Turn the world. Come on, say it with me. Turn the world. So we're going to read the day out of Acts 14. Paul, the apostle, he's, uh, he's, he's just leaving uh, kind of a... A precarious situation at Iconium, and uh, at Iconium, he has this this crowd just goes after him. They're 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 they're, they're persecuting him. So he leaves and he comes to Lystra, and in Lystra he starts preaching. But let's go back a verse, and it says, "And they were preaching the gospel." Say it with me, the gospel. That means good news. They were preaching the good news there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb. So let's be clear. He has never walked. He's never ran. He's never jumped. He's never done any of that. He, he's never walked. This man heard what Paul was speaking. Where does faith come? Faith comes by. So he heard what Paul was speaking. Paul was looking at him intently and seeing that this, this guy in, a, in sitting down in a wheelchair, he had faith to be healed. Notice that, this, that faith is visible in body. 
You ever heard body language? Why do they call it body language? Because if your body could speak, it would, and it does. It actually has a posture of I believe. Not I'm bored, not hurry up, I want to go home and watch some sports reruns. It says his body language was saying, I believe I can be healed. So Paul said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped. And he leaped. And he leaped. I don't know why I'm just going to say it. Come on, two more, is that okay two more times? This is getting annoying, preacher. Just stay with me. And he leaped. One more time. And he And he leaped. And after he leaped, he walked. When the people saw what Paul had done, these are a bunch of kind of polytheistic people in uh, modern-day Turkey. And it says they lifted their voice. These are Gentiles in the Lyconian language. And they said the gods have come down in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus. Paul they called Hermes. And they, they, they said because he was the chief speaker. Then priest, uh, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought all these animals, oxen, garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice to the multitude. So they're, they're accusing the early church leaders of being gods because they did stuff that only God can do. You don't hear about a lot of Christianity today about that, that people are being mistaken as, man, this guy must have deity powers because there's stuff happening in that church that only God could do. Don't hear a lot about that today, but that's what happened in the early church. Let's keep reading here. So they ran out, and it says that uh, Paul and Barnabas, when they heard this, they tore their clothes like Hulk Hogan. Stay with me. They ran out among the multitudes, crying out, saying, men, why are you doing these crazy things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and we preach to you that you should turn from these useless things. Stop worshiping dead gods. And turn to the living God who made heaven, earth, the sea, and all the things that are in them. Who in, in, in gone generations allowed all the nations to walk in their own dark ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. This is how good God is. He's kind to those that don't even acknowledge him. Some of you aren't even scared of hell because you think it's going to be like earth. No, you're feeling, even in your doubt, the benefits of a God that's in the world. And you won't have that in hell. And so it says even, even the non-believing world benefited the benefits of this, of God's presence. And these sayings, they could, even with saying all that, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to Paul and Barnabas. So the Jews came from the previous two cities. And they came there having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul. Now, this is not 420 stoning. This is pick up rocks. Throw it at him until he dies. And they dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead, left for dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, how many other powerful things that happen when the disciples gather? They, they, they actually gathered around him, and he leaped, he rose up, went back into the city, and the next day departed with Barnabas to Derby. Amen. All right, y'all ready? I want to talk to you today about leap here. Is that okay? If it's not okay, you can just hang out anyways. We're going to have a good time. If you're taking notes, write this down. Leap here. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Leap here. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the opportunity to be together today. I thank you that we would never again forsake the assembly of ourselves together. I thank you that regardless of what goes on in the world, what we do today here is essential. I thank you that it's essential for your people to hear your voice, to read your word, to worship you. God, if we don't, the rocks will cry out. So, Lord, today we honor you. I pray if we know you, we, we declare your greatness. If we don't know you, I pray they would crack the door to belief. And I pray that, Lord, you would reach those far and those that are near. Refresh the believer and reach those that are running from you. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I thought it was an unusual title, Leap Here. I, I was thinking, Lord, that reminds me of that movie in 2012. You see that movie? Guess not. There was a movie called Leap Here, a little Irish movie. I'm Irish, so it made me uh, appreciate that. But uh, Leap Here. I was thinking about Leap Here happens every four years in our calendar. Again, Jewish calendar is a little bit different. But basically, in a Leap Year, you can um, you, 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 you leap. You, uh, you, you add a day. 
right? We had a day. People were born on leap year, right? It's kind of goofy thing. Celebrate birthdays, a little bit weird, but but it's interesting that the idea of a leap year is is that it adds time, it adds a day, it adds an opportunity. A leap year. And uh, I was I was kind of reading this, and I know there's all those kind of leap year jokes out there. I was thinking about a couple of them. Do you know what athletes wear uh, on on leap years? Uh, they wear jumpsuits. <laughs> tough crowd, tough crowd. Uh, most people on a leap year day they uh, they eat at IHOP. We'll keep going. I got a few more. Uh, what type of music do people listen to on leap year day? Uh, Hip hop. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, what 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 do kids play? They play hop uh, scotch. Yep. Yeah. And uh, most lawyers on leap year days, they jump uh, to conclusions. I didn't have any jokes the first service, so there's some jokes. My wife always gauges the quality of the message if she laughs, so thanks, babe. Uh, made my quota. Um, on a serious note, though, I do believe that there was uh, two interesting kind of scenarios here in the book of Acts 14 that Paul sees two types of leaping. One is a byproduct of a guy that experienced a God that he preached that was so powerful, so awesome, so mighty, that the message he shared instilled enough hope, enough belief that caused someone to get out of a wheelchair and leap. So one had to do with the message that he shared that caused a non, uh, someone that did not have the ability to do what he couldn't do before to leap. And later in the, in the chapter, it talks about how the early church didn't just see others leap. With the measure they used, it was measured back to them. Because when he was beaten and left for dead, the same thing he did to others is what God did to him. It's amazing here that you see two types of leaping in Acts 14, one with a lame man and one with a dead man. And I believe that right now in the church, there is two types of people that need to leap. There are those that have never used things that God wants you to be able to use. What do you mean leap? I mean, some of you have never leaped out of unforgiveness. You've never leaped out of brokenness, addictions, perversion. Yeah. Some of you are still stuck in the weeds that God found you in. And I'm telling you today, I declare in Jesus' name prophetically, this is a leap year. This is a year that we stop sitting, sulking, complaining, and stop participating in the oppression Olympics. Yeah, we live in a society that crowns people with the most ailments. We celebrate the most victims. Who's the biggest victims in society? That's not the God that we study. That's not the God that we worship. God gets us out of victimhood into victory. Can I get an amen? And we got a bunch of Christians living below, below the level of life and freedom that Jesus died to give us. Licking our wounds and building shelters for dark habits that Jesus died to evict. Well, I was just born this way. It's just a sexual orientation. It's just a pathological lying proclivity. I'm just an angry person. I'm just really depressed. I'm just really fearful. I just say it as it is. No, it's called gossip and foolishness. Yeah, let's call it what it is. Well, I was born this way, preacher. I can't change. Jesus said you got to be born again. That solved that problem. We serve a God that has the power to get us out of, out of things. Well, I can't walk. I can't feel. He says, get up. Yes. Notice that we serve a God when he's preached right. It inspires hope in people to believe that they can rise. What I felt the Lord speaking to me is where are the preachers that are inspiring the church to get up? I feel like we have so many preachers that are empowering people to stay down. It's okay, God loves you and your brokenness. He loves you with your bipolar, schizophrenic, anxious, depressed, worried, perverted. I'm not saying he doesn't love you where you are, but I do believe he loves you enough to get you out of it. Grace doesn't pacify you with a band-aid and a pacifier and says, just stay in your nasty Egyptian Babylonian mindset until you get to heaven one day. Bible I read says on earth as it is what? There's no perversion in heaven. There's no porn addictions in heaven. Yeah, there's, there's no sexual confusion in heaven. I know I'm kicking some sacred cows today, but I like some holy cow tipping every once in a while. Many people are scared to tell people the truth 
But I'll be honest with you, this older generation, I know you know this, but if we are not honest and bold about the truth of freedom, the younger generation will be lost and stop listening to a church that doesn't believe there's a better way. So for the sake of our children, let's, let's call light light and darkness darkness, and let's say God's into the light. Is this politically correct? I think too many people are scared to offend people. What I found through COVID is the pastors that are not scared about offending the masses are the ones that have churches that are growing. The ones that are trying to please everybody, please nobody. So I want to be bold. If the Bible is into it, we're into it. Well, it's not politically correct. Well, I don't care. Because what's politically correct today is not eternally relevant. And if Jesus isn't going to be into it eternally, look, I would much rather rub you the wrong way today and you stand before the throne and look Jesus in the eyes with a clear conscience because your pastor told you the truth. Then for me to lie to you, tell you that God wants to coddle all your little dark habits, your sin patterns, and let you stay in the weeds that you were born in, and one day be surprised at the throne going, why didn't anyone tell me the truth? Jesus didn't die so you could stay in your darkness. Look at me. Look at me, Paul said. You're listening right now, aren't you? You're leaning in right now, aren't you? It's time to get up. And that's what he said. He says, stand up. In the moment this lame man listened and leaned in, he began to leap. And I just felt like prophetically that if we would be a church, I want you to write these things down. Number one, that we are unapologetically declaring that Jesus is the Lord that can elevate anybody. Mark, you don't understand I'm too broken. No, you don't understand. God fixes broken people. No, Mark, you don't understand where I come from, my family line. No, you don't understand that when you come to the altar, you have a new family. You don't understand who my dad was. No, you don't understand who your heavenly father is. You don't understand what's running in my genetics. No, you don't understand what the blood of Jesus gives you access to. We can argue back and forth. I'm telling you that when the gospel of Jesus Christ as the Lord, key word, Lord, what does that mean? It means he's over sickness. It means he's over diseases. It means he's greater than demons. It means that politicians can't stand against him. Fauci can't ruin his day. Come on. It means that when he is, no one likes Fauci. Let's just agree on that. Lord bless him. We know this, that he is Lord. And when he is Lord of everything, he can do anything. The problem is, is most pastors are scared of preaching a Lord that can do anything because of two reasons. Number one, we're scared to be labeled a faith preacher. Those are faith preachers. Those are the guys that don't really know the Bible and they just say weird things. They fly on jets and they drive Rolls Royces and they, they, they sell sea salt from the Dead Sea with donations. We don't want to be a faith preacher. Well, I just want you to know, I'm not looking to be one of those guys, but I am looking to be a church that believes. So if you want to go to church that doesn't believe for anything, or you only believe you can go to heaven, you're probably going to be irritated here. Because I want you to know that you don't have to wait to die and go to heaven to get some of heaven into you. I believe that my heart with my soul. Why? Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, he says, when you pray, pray on earth as it is in. Give us this day our daily That daily bread is actually kind of a poor translation. What it actually means in the original language is, God, give us tomorrow's bread today. What it is, when you pray on earth as it is in heaven, is you're saying, God, I acknowledge there is no cancer in heaven. So, Lord, today on earth, can I borrow against tomorrow? That's what miracle signs and wonders are, is this idea that we're saying, God, in heaven, when we preach the kingdom of heaven is come. It's saying that what's in the future is coming into the present. And whenever we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, is we're asking for future power to come into our current reality. We're borrowing against tomorrow. Are you hearing me today? But the reason why many churches don't see miracles is because you have people that are scared to preach Jesus as Supreme Lord. He doesn't partially deliver you. He doesn't pull you halfway out of Egypt and let the Red Sea crash over you. 
He's not a God that partially heals, partially delivers, partially saves. Are you hearing me today? And I'm not saying, well, what if he doesn't? Well, the, the two reasons why people don't want to preach like this is, number one, they're scared to be labeled a faith preacher. I'm not too worried about that. If I want to make everybody happy, as my friend Sean says, I would sell ice cream. Okay? I'm not an ice cream salesman. I'm a preacher. Can I get an amen? So here's what I know. So first category, second reason why people don't like to preach faith is because they're scared of what if I pray and nothing happens. I want you to know that's none of your business. It's none of your business. Because you don't heal people. God does. It's none of your business. You're not the one that causes the lame to walk. God does. It's none of your business. You're not the one that puts pupils back in eyes. God does. It's none of your business how things go when you pray and believe. Your job is to pray and to believe. Well, what if they don't get healed? Well, the Bible says it's not just capable to live in faith. It's capable of to die in faith. And according to the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11, some of the greatest men and women that ever lived in faith never saw their promise on this side of eternity. But your mistake is to say that because it doesn't happen on earth, it's not going to happen in heaven. That's where you're wrong. Because you can't gauge the quality of God's work by looking at 80, 90 years. You have to look at the body of God's work in light of eternity. That's what some of your problem is. You don't like God because you think you have a bad God because you've had a bad 35 years. 35 years is nothing compared to eternity. And you can't gauge the quality of God by temporary time and space. Are you hearing me? God can change time here and now. But I do believe, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, faith isn't just, God, if you're real, deliver. Faith is this. It goes, God, our God can, our God will. Our God can, faith. Our God will, faith. Yeah, let's say it again. Our God can, that's faith. And our God, that's faith. But here's the last part of it we don't have to talk about. This is how bad they were. They said, but even if he doesn't. What if they don't get healed? It's not my job. My job's to pray and to believe. God doesn't heal him. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to get rewarded according to believing that he can and believing that he will. We got too many people that are scared to believe that God can or will because they don't know what if it doesn't happen, even if it doesn't happen. Faith is not what if, it's even if. People see that this lame man starts to walk because he looks at him and he says, he said, obviously, I, I don't know. I wish they would have documented his message here. But I, I believe it's safe to assume that whatever Paul was preaching incited enough hope in a paralyzed man that he could believe that today was his day. Yeah. Here is, I believe, there was ever an indictment against the North American church. Is how many times have you been to church that you've heard something that is incited enough hope that today things could change. Think about that. He was sitting there, and I believe if he was just preaching what most preachers preach today, studying the Bible, let's look at the homiletics and hermeneutics, and let's look at the eschatology, and let's just let's, let's share big words that freak people out. Let's, let's answer questions in the message that no one's asking in the world. Let's, uh, let's, let's show people how smart we are, how polished our vernacular is. Let's use big theological terminologies. Let's, let's be Christian think tanks, and let's put the world to sleep. Let's put them to sleep. But it's crazy here that somehow what uh, this lame man was listening to, he heard something in it that gave him the belief that maybe I could get out of the wheelchair today. Paul was probably talking about, yeah, there's a guy, you know, you know, Adam, he fell, he ate the, eat the food, you know, Macintosh in the beginning, his wife. Remember, uh, remember how, you know, that the fall of humanity, first three chapters of the Bible, right? Next, uh, so 1189 chapters, 1187 of them is about Jesus restoring what Adam lost. Paul would write about in Romans how he is the second Adam to actually restore what Adam forfeited. Through one man's disobedience, all fail. Through one man's obedience, all are redeemed. Right? So he, he's probably preaching a message like this. Yeah, this Jesus. Yeah, he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was a heck of a cabinet maker. He was an unbelievable teacher and miracle worker. He did more in three years than the Library of Congress's uh, books could ever contain. 
this guy, according to John 21, 25, not enough paper in the world to cover the books of miracles that Jesus did in three years. God gave me this phrase. He said probably something like this. He died fully innocent for a completely guilty world. But on the third day, he rose. And when he rose, he showed himself to over 500 people over 40 days. He told, the, he told the, the followers of his in Matthew 28 to all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Go, therefore, and make disciples of some nations. Of what? That's what he said. Yeah, Matthew 28. He goes on in Luke chapter 16, and he, or, or Luke 24, and he says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise until you are endued with power from on high. He says in Mark 16 to go, to, uh, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single living creature. So they go to Jerusalem, they hang out in a prayer meeting, 120 people get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in Shandai tongues. Yeah, should have bought a Kia, would have bought a Honda. And they speak in this language. 3,000 people get saved one day. Next day, 5,000 men believe. Probably 10, 15,000. Church is revival mode. Pedal to the metal. And probably somewhere along the way, Paul is telling a story to a guy listening that, hey, yeah, um, you know about the guy at the gate, beautiful? He was lying there. Peter and John said, silver and gold, we don't have, but what we do have in the name. Yeah, we've seen lame people walk. Actually, matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, Peter was in a town, saw a lame guy get out of a wheelchair. And somehow he preached a gospel that got this lame man's hopes up. Here's my question to you. When was the last time you went to church and a preacher gave you hope in the area that you're lame? And I would say that this is one of the greatest needs of the church today is that we have to tell the world that Jesus is a God big enough to heal everything that's currently not working. Preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It means this is what your life looks like when Jesus is the Lord of it. What if you don't get healed? Even if I don't get healed, I'm going to believe that God can do anything. Are you with me today? So what do you say? I'm going to write a couple things down. Number one, I believe if we're going to turn the world like Paul did, the first thing we have to do is be committed to preaching a big G God, a big L Lord. Quite frankly, uh, the gospel without miracles, signs, and wonders is not really that good of news. It's good news to go to heaven. It's even better news to get heaven in earth. Well, I don't like that. I, 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 have, a, I have a bunch of like kind of Calvinistic hangups on some of this stuff. I think the way that you are is the way that you will be. I think that you can't really change stuff. I think that you can't really articulate God's, God had already determined people are going to suffer and they're going to go to hell. Da, 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 da. Here's the problem with a lot of my Calvinist brothers and sisters that are super hardcore Calvinists is they actually, they take faith out of daily life. You know, my problem is with believing that everyone's going to go to hell that's supposed to go to hell is it requires zero faith. Quite frankly, it makes me lazy as an evangelist. They're not supposed to go to heaven. They won't show up to church. I don't need to invite my brothers, my sisters. I don't need to actually love on people. I don't have to pray that things are going to change because what is is what will be. Things can't change. Things can't get better. God doesn't heal anymore. God is retired from signs and wonders. Problem is, the author of Hebrews goes on the record to say, hey, guess what? Without faith, it's impossible to make God happy. For everyone that comes to God must believe. Must what? You know what's crazy? If the world's going to hell and everybody is who they are and it's just what is what we will be and people are predestined to, to, to garbage. Listen, the problem with this theology is it makes the world apathetic towards faith. I don't need to believe that things can change. America's destined to fall apart. The problem with that view is it requires zero faith. I don't think the miracles can happen anymore. The problem with that view is it requires zero faith. God is not pleased by Christians that believe for nothing. I, I hit a nerve, I can tell, didn't I? Just, just, just entertain me here. 
Do you really think if you had all power in heaven and on earth, didn't, didn't Jesus say that? All authority? Mark 16, on heaven and on has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Lay hands on the sick. He didn't say just until Paul dies. Just for 200 years until scripture's canonized. He doesn't do that. He just just go. And the problem is the churches that were never told it doesn't work anymore have been doing it for 2,000 years. Did you catch that? There's churches in Africa and India. They haven't had these smart people say, this doesn't happen anymore. They're just like, oh, do that? Okay. And they do it. And it happens. But you come to America and you got homeboy with more degrees than a thermometer. God can't do anything but get you to heaven. And do you know what they get in their church? Exactly what he's preaching. Where are the Christians that believe that he's the Lord over everything? There's like 25 of them in this room. Come on, you really believe that God can do something? Say amen. Give him a hand. Clap and a shout. Hey! Almost finished. Miracles that change the world right side up start with people that see God big problem with most of you is you think God is small. You, you worship a God that you think is like you. God's moody some days. He gets kind of like, he gets a little bit jealous. He's just like a little bit selfish. He's just kind of like a little bit, he's not like you. You think that he's made, you're not, he's not in your image. His ways are higher than your ways. Reminded my little girl when she was a little, little Kenzie's like, daddy, where did God come from? I'm like, we don't know. No, she's like, Dad, no, no, Daddy, Daddy. Who was, who, who, who was God's mommy and daddy? I'm like, he doesn't have mommy and daddy. No, no, Daddy, no, Daddy, please. Uh, who, who's, who's God's dad? Wh where, where did he come from? And I'm like, we don't know. We'll never know. He's always been. He's big. No, Mark, I went to Harvard and I went to Yale and Stanford and Oxford and I, I have an, I, I'm not against higher education, but look, you can be really smart. I just want you to know that everything you've acquired in your life, you've acquired in 30, 40, 50, 80 years. He has been around for eternity. You have zero competition. If you are arm wrestling God, you got nothing. <sighs> He's a big God. Fills the heavens and the earth. So what we got to do is this. we got to see God big. Can I get an amen? He's big enough to change a state. He's big enough to change a region. He's big enough to save a nation in a day. Who believes that? Is there anybody who believes? He's big enough to restore a dead marriage. He is big enough to chase down a wayward child. He is great enough to heal cancer, sickness, diseases. He's big enough to bring eyesight to the blind, hearing to the, to the, to the, to the deaf. He is that big. And I want to remind you today, if you are singing with no enthusiasm, it's probably because you're not seeing the magnitude of who God is. You can tell people that I had an encounter with God, because just like, whoa, like, disinterested, bored. You've never seen how big God is. When He heals your body, restores your child, adds years to your life, you don't sing like he just gave you a Kit Kat bar from the gas station. Grab a seat, almost finished. Thank you for being so patient with me today. Someone say leap here. Very important here. It says they, he preached the Lord. Number two, I'm almost done with these fast, is this guy listened. Faith comes by, faith comes by. The only way you maintain that pocket of faith is by staying in God's words. Problem is we have more entertainment, more information than any time in history, but we have a church that is more biblically illiterate than any church in the history of the earth. So what we do is we don't have faith because we don't hear it. We don't read it. We don't meditate on it day and night. I'm not throwing rocks at you, but I would say that faith is what God is interested in. It says that God has given each of us a measure of faith. If you steward that measure of faith, God will give you a spirit of faith. If you get a spirit of faith, you start to realize that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual rulers in dark places. 
that there's fallen angels and there are angels that go to and fro in a spiritual realm. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things that are seen were not made of things that are invisible. All we know, there's a lot of things we don't understand. Daniel, Ezekiel, and John all had visions of heaven. They, they, they tried to describe where we're going. And all of it talked about a spiritual reality, a unseen dimension that we can't see right now. So there's a measure of faith. There is a spirit of faith. The Bible talks about the gift of faith. The gift of faith is when God gives you the ability to believe Him at a level that you can never believe by yourself. And then it talks about unusual faith. Like Peter, like Paul, shadows healing and cloth healing people. Unusual miracles. And I want to prophesy over this church that we're going to enter into a season of unusual miracles. People from CEOs to evangelists, come on, to school teachers, doctors, stay-at-home moms and dads. God is raising up a generation that has great faith. I'm going to listen, and when you listen to him, here's the, here's the key thing that he did here. He didn't just listen, he leaned in. Paul could tell he wasn't just listening. He, he, his body language was like, I'm ready. And I want to just summon you to a leap here. I want to prophesy over our church in this region that as the body and the bride of Jesus Christ, we can't just listen that revival's coming. We have to lean into it. We got to put our money where our mouth is. We got to put our time where our mouth is. We got to live what we believe. Are you hearing me? Look, if Jesus said you got you got 72 hours until I come home, you would be living probably a little bit different. What if you knew you had two years, five years? What if we only had 10 years until Jesus returns? What would we prioritize? What would we value? I'm not against golf and entertainment and recreation, but I would say this, if we knew that Jesus is coming back soon, there is definitely a different way that we'd spend our time and our money. I'm not lying, I'm telling the truth. We would, we would reprioritize things differently. So we're gonna listen, we're gonna lean in, and when we lean in, I wanna just declare this in Jesus' name, we will begin to leap. What are you leaping out of? Well, I'm gonna leap out of, there's some of you gonna leap out of sickness this year, starting today. We're gonna leap out of diseases, we're gonna leap out of addictions. We're gonna leap out of brokenness. We're gonna leap out of unforgiveness. We are gonna walk in the areas that we've been laid. And as we leap, we will do what we have never done before. I wanna pray for you. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I have more to say, but I wanna honor what I feel the Lord wants us to do today. I just believe this all my heart. It says that Paul, he, he preached a God that was big enough to get him out of a wheelchair. And the guy listened, he leaned in, and he leaped. And it's wild that when Paul got persecuted, which I believe is whenever you contribute to the world, there will always be controversy. There's always controversy where people are making a contribution. If people aren't talking about you, it's probably because you're not really doing anything. But the moment you stand up and you stand out and you say something, people have opinions. And what I've learned is this, is that it says they dragged him out of town and they left him for dead. Here's what I know, is they stopped throwing rocks when he stopped pretending to fight back. When he laid still, it says that God began to fight for him by surrounding him with disciples. Some of you have been left for dead, but I want to declare over you today that if you get some disciples around you, you're going to lead back up yourself. Notice he doesn't get bandaged up. He didn't, he didn't get wine poured on his wounds. He leaped up. What he preached to others, God did for him. And I believe the Jesus we preach is the Jesus that we get. So I want to pray for anyone that's under persecution, under scrutiny. Maybe some of you that feel like you're under attack today. I pray in Jesus' name that the winds of adversity would be like wind under your wings that cause you to soar higher in God. Every time the children of Israel were persecuted, they multiplied. Every time the early church was persecuted, it multiplied. I believe that's why California is primed for revival, because we've been under more fire and scrutiny and stupidity than almost any other state in America. We are ready for revival. So I pray today, Lord, 
that this would be a leap year, that we would leap out of sickness, leap out of bondage, leap out of addiction, leap out of being demonized. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Say with me, say hope. Now I want you to catch this, I'm gonna pray for you. Did you know that before faith is faith, God gives you hope? The seed of faith is hope. That's why some of you right now, you're like, I just, I don't know what, my hope is, is starting to rise. Maybe God can use me, fill me, heal me, deliver me. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things. The definition of faith in the Bible is it's a substance of things hoped for. And I just feel like the Lord today wants you to get your hopes up again. Your marriage isn't always going to be the way that it is. Your kid's not always going to be in the, in the storm that he's in. You're not always going to be going back and forth to the hospital like you are right now. God can heal your body. God can heal your back. God can heal your mind. He can heal your brain. And I pray today in Jesus' name for wayward kids. I pray, Lord, for broken marriages and families. I pray for those that have had uh, division in households and businesses, that there has been bitterness and, and resentment for decades. Let today be the day that what they could not do, they begin to do. Stand up, leap up, stand up, and walk. I pray right now in Jesus' name, if you need right now, listen to me, if you're like, Mark, I'm leaning in, and I believe that the Lord can heal, that the Lord can do what I could not do. If you want to invite him in, physically heal, spiritually restore, or maybe even in your mind, heal a broken mind, bipolar, mental illness, clinical depression, I believe that God can heal it all. Call me old school, but I believe that God can do anything. You saying that God doesn't use surgery? No, he definitely uses surgery. He definitely uses doctors and counselors. I love all of it, but I'm also not going to rule out that God can do stuff supernaturally. So right now, if you need healing in your body, lift your hands. Every week we pray at our church that we would lay hands on the sick and we would see them recover. Come on, don't be shy. Put it real high. I, I would love it if God would heal me today. I would love it if God would deliver me. I don't know if it's a drug addiction. Maybe you're addicted to opioids. Maybe it's painkillers you, you, you took in the beginning for a good reason and then you got addicted to them. I don't know what it is, but I want you to know today that Jesus is Lord. He's big enough to get you out of the woods. So lift your hands real high. PTSD, yeah, trauma, yeah, someone was abused, molested, raped. I pray in Jesus' name. Today is the day. You might have been a victim at one point, but God, you're going to make us victorious. Over unforgiveness, over resentment, over hurt, over wounds, heal today. Hands real high. Find someone next to you that has their hands up. Come on, we're a praying church. Find someone. Go put your hand on someone's shoulder. Put your hand on someone's shoulder that's next to you. Come on, I want you to pray the prayer of faith. Come on, say it like this. Say, Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Jesus, we lay hands on them, and we declare that you are Lord. Come on, say it like you mean it. You are Lord. You're big enough to heal, deliver, to save, restore, to provide, to protect, and to guide out. I ask in Jesus' name, from the top of their head, to the soles of their feet. Restore, heal, and bring your life. We bless them in, in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah, watch this. Yeah, watch. Heal right now. Heal right now. I pray, Lord, that what they couldn't do before. I pray, Lord, for the guy. He has like almost like polio-like symptoms in his body. I pray for the for the gentleman in here, you have shingles. I even pray for the lady in here that you have like some sort of issue from the measles. It was like some sort of strain of the measles that has never fully left your body. I ask in Jesus Christ's name that you would heal that. There's someone in here, you have an unusual rash. It's like kind of on the inside of your legs. And God today is healing you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're even an atheist. You don't even believe that God can do that kind of stuff. And watch how he heals. I pray, Lord, for hepatitis B, hepatitis A to be healed in Jesus' name. I pray for scoliosis, that you would straighten out crooked spines. I pray for cancer. God, uh, I pray for stage one, two, three, or four. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. I pray all over these tents, all over online today, you would do what no one else could do. Pray this all over the room today. Say, Jesus, I receive all that you died to give me. Would you heal me? Would you lead me? 
Would you restore me in Jesus' name? Last thing we do, come on, everybody, just come on, give me just one minute here. I'll be, I'll be done. Would you close your eyes for a minute? Can I ask you a very honest question? Are you today living fully for God? Have you surrendered to His Lordship? I'm not asking if you don't believe in Him. I'm asking, are you surrendered and fully living for Him? Is your business His? Is your money His? Is your talent His? Is your marriage His? Is your children His? Have you given Him everything? And if you haven't today, I want to ask you to rededicate or even for the first time, put your full trust in God. All over the tents today, there was five last service, many more this service. If you're here and you want to get right with Jesus for the first time or rededicate your faith to Him today, eyes closed, heads bowed, I pray for everyone that needs to get right that they would not wait another day, another week, another year. As even Zach said, today is the day of salvation. Their heart is speeding up. They feel like I've been talking to them the last 30 minutes. I'm not. God is. And I pray right now that they would open up and let you in. I want you to do me a favor all over the tents. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I need to give my life back to God, or for the first time, I want to invite Jesus to be my God. All over the tents today, even online, I want you to write heart online on three, and raise your hands on three if you're in the room physically. One, I pray right now that everyone would respond that needs to respond. Two, let heaven be more populated because of today. Three, real high, real high. That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see five over there. Yeah, real high, real high, real high, real high. I see six, seven, yeah, real high. Eight, yeah, thank you. Real high, real high, keep it up. I see eight, nine, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Ten, anyone else? I love it, I love it, I love it. Okay, ten people right now, just write heart online. And we'll wrap this up today. Put your hands on your heart. Let's pray with those at least 10 people today. It's hard to count everybody, but there's at least 10. I pray right now for all those that are responding that this would be the beginning of a new chapter, a new season of making you the Lord, of listening, of leaning in, and God beginning to leap out of their old ways. I thank you that they have been they've died with Christ today as they acknowledge you and that God they would rise in a newness a new life a new power a new authority I pray old things would pass away I pray that something new would start oceans pray this with those 10 people and even those online today say Jesus I invite you fill me with your spirit wash me of my sins make me clean would you heal me physically mentally and spiritually I surrender everything I trust in you and I ask you to guide me and direct me from this day forward be the God of my life speak to me as I read the Bible plant me in an amazing church and help me to follow you passionately for the rest of my days in Jesus name Come on, if you're ready to turn the world on a leap here, come on, say amen, give me a hand clap today. Wow. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.